I mean, male 22. We're uh, talking one star here. Nah. I'm Cloverfield Paradox. I think I was leaning to a three, but no, it might be a two. No, no, no. Maybe we should talk about it. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't. Uh, for the future. I think I, <laughs> I'm for the future of Capiche. I think <laughs> if you fucking try and give that a three star. What do you not like about it? <laughs> it's just, uh, do you know what? I, I can't even remember. I know, I know. I, there's a lot I don't like about. Um, will we leave that? Will we keep going, or will we? <laughs> of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here with Scott Armour. Hello. We are here in my lovely flat talking about films. Being a film podcast, it's probably a good idea. So welcome back, anyone who's actually came back, or one listener. Stephen's mum. Yeah. Hi, Miss Barry. Hi, Mum. Yeah, so a few films on the agenda today that we've seen since our last podcast. We're going to probably cover Mile 22... You've got a few. Uh, well, we'll, we'll go into them. They'll come up. We'll go into. We're hoping to do uh, the Predator sort of spoilerific uh, detail at the end mm-hmm. of the podcast. So we'll, we'll get to that when we've both seen it, and I've written a review as well, and we'll uh, talk about that in depth at the end of the podcast. We'll do a summary of a lot of the the, the other films though coming up. Uh, you want to kick this one off? Uh, so trying to think of notable films. Uh, in terms of summary, blockbuster, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, have you seen Ant-Man and the no, Wasp? No, I have not seen it, so I hear it's decent. Uh, do you know what, As I would probably put it in a, a three-star. Um, I, do you know what, I think I think the problem with Ant-Man and the Wasp is it was too soon after Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. It was just in the shadow of Infinity War. I think any film that Marvel released was probably going to have that issue, because if they also went big with the next one, then that might have been problematic because it's just too much. I think we did need a smaller story, which is obviously Ant-Man is the epitome of the smaller superhero, but... It sounds like it. It's still. Do you know what? It's a. It's a good film. It's just. It's. It's just right out of the Marvel Studio factory line. It's got everything you want in a Marvel film. Uh, I, I would probably say it wasn't really required mm. in terms of the. It's play, It leads up to the. I think Ant Man's going to have. If you look into the fan theories and all that kind of stuff. Ant-Man's going to have a massive part to play in, the, in Avengers Infinity War Part 2, right? Because it's the whole quantum realm. It's uh, time travel. That's what happens when it leads into the end of Ant-Man. So I suppose, to spoil it. wouldn't that be make this film quite important then? It will. As it, to get it us does, that? but only, in the, only really in the final probably five minutes. Mm. Everything leading up to that. 
doesn't tie in anything remotely close to what's happening in Avengers. What about the Wasp? Because they made a big deal in the marketing and a lot of the interviews post-film uh, about, you know, this was the first time Marvel have had a female comic book character in the title of the film because it's been pretty poor on the representation side of things, especially after... Well, you know, do you know what? The, it was... Uh, you know, did it feel like the Wasp had... This was as much her film? Not really. Uh, well, that's Not disappointing. Really. <laughs> I mean, she was in it. She did. I think have... it's a bit of a cop out Aye. of them to say, you know, you know, Ant Man and the Wasp. But we've got a female in the title. But see, be fair, could have just Ant Man. Ant Man didn't really like. Um, uh, God, what's his character? Scott. Scott Reed. No, kind of never. Um, but he's still in. Uh, this is this is uh, almost soon, almost like straight after uh, Civil War. Mm. Right, so it's the after, aftermath of Civil War, and he's on house arrest. So remember, at the end of Civil War, uh, him, I think it's Haw- uh, Hawkeye, Vulcan, and him that was in the kind of uh, chambers. It just so happens that Captain America got uh, Falcon and Hawkeye out, but now Bad Man's been caught and he's on house arrest. There is a couple of really, really funny scenes uh, between his. I wouldn't say he's a pro officer, he isn't like an FBI agent, but he's there to kind of make sure he does not get out. Obviously, Ant-Man being Ant-Man, he's a, a criminal, like, thief or burglar type thing, so he knows how to kind of uh, master, you know, get out of these kind of situations. There is a couple of really funny scenes. So, Hank Pym and the daughter, his daughter, obviously the Wasp, they don't speak to Ant-Man, uh, purely because they annoyed Ant-Man because he used their technology and went and fought with the Avengers in Berlin. So there's the fallout there. Obviously, storyline goes on, they get back. Hank Pym's trying to get back to Sharon Stone's character, who was the original Wasp. She's still stuck in the, uh, the Phantom Realm. So the whole film's basically trying to get back to get her and get her out. There's a really cool character Again, I'm not getting into too much detail. I think her character's called the Ghost. Okay. Um, and she's got some. She's been a test of. I don't know if it's Hydra or if I don't know. I can't remember if it's Hydra or Shield. Uh, but it was Hank Pym and uh, was uh, Lawrence Fishburne's actually in the film. Can't remember his character's name. But they've got a kind of relationship where they worked on, uh, you know, projects. I think it was for Shield. Um. And she's she's now the product of that. So she's got a, like a physical deficiency, which means she can basically just walk through walls. So she can manipulate her body. So it can just she can just like pass through matter. If that makes sense. However, there's she needs she needs the technology to kind of she's trying to fix herself, and she needs the technology that Hank Pym's going back to the Phantom Realm to get his wife. So it all kind of comes together mm. in that big story arc type thing. It does then lead into the last five minutes of the film, which, you know, ties directly into Avengers Infinity War. So for me, it's really enjoyable. It's, you know, there's nothing but this. I, I, did, I did come out of the film and kind of thinking... I don't know if I, I don't know if this could have probably have happened before Infinity War, if it's just that lead up. Because, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, was, I don't want to say too much about the end, but I mean, it, I, I 
guessing from the event of the ending, I can imagine sort of the type of ending that man would have, something along those lines. Uh, we'll leave it at that, um, <clears> but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it sounds kind of how I felt about the first one, if I'm honest. I thought the first one was a decent taste film, had some uh, relatively interesting kind of scenes. I liked the, sort of like the cameo from Falcon. Uh, in the oh, first one right. and seeing Ant-Man sort of integrate a wee bit with the other Marvel characters because mm-hmm. otherwise it was a very focused film you know you would, it could have been yeah. non-associated with the, the Avengers films and I liked some of the humour was decent I mean uh, Paul Rudd is always a compelling <clears throat> actor I think he's a great actor and he can do comedy really well as his right. stint on right. Friends showed but he can also bring it when it comes to the sort of more serious element of a role. Uh, as a character, like, I didn't know anything about Ant-Man. I thought the CG was, was fine and decent. It was kind of like your modern-day Honey, I Shrunk the Kids type stuff, yeah. so I like that. Um, CGI is good. It's typical, always, typical Marvel Studios, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's... I'd always wanted, with that first film, I knew that Edgar Wright was meant to direct that, and because there was creative differences with Marvel, he was sort of, he left the project. Um, they don't know, they didn't say what, but I imagine that film could have even been uh, much more bizarre and funnier mm. um, with his style of comedy, uh, which I always kind of will always think, might what might have it been? But the yeah. first one was fine. It was a safe, very Marvel safe, anyway, uh, fun film. And so I'm intrigued, and I'm kind of glad to go and see this in cinema. I'll need to wait till. I would definitely uh, recommend it. I would just say, I don't know. I mean, I, like Avengers: Infinity War, to me, it was the. I think we've we've hit the we've, 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 the, we've hit the height Aye. of what these films can be. So Aye. the next film had a real tough challenge. I think just not being a disaster was probably yeah. the thing. So however, what it what it does do is, as I say, it is relevant, and it is it does well. It will have a. a direct impact I feel on the next one um, so it was relevant but probably only in the last five minutes the rest of the film was just I mean it's meant to be happening concurrently with Avengers Infinity War I can't understand why this is happening in its own world when mm. uh, you know Thanos uh, yeah. is trying to wipe out the whole planet type thing but again little plot holes little things that's little flaws in the film and the story but I good 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 so film three stars but I would say I would say, uh, I would say I would say it's a high three but I just I just couldn't give it a four okay three stars from Capiche for Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, I will talk now about Mile 22 yeah so I've seen it. this is the fourth film with uh, Mark Wahlberg as the lead and directed by Peter Berg so, can you name the other three? Shooter? No. Please don't say Daddy's Home. No. Oh, the Man in the World? No. <laughs> oh, Rid- sorry, Ridley I'm Scott. Scott. <laughs> I'm just, I'm now thinking of... Uh, Smart, Mark, Ted. <laughs> Boogie Nights? No. Great film, Boogie Nights. Uh, I'll give you a hint. They're all, they've all been in the last, like, four years or something, five years at most, I think. All kind of relatively serious films, all based on recent events or things that have happened in... Event Horizon? No, 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 sorry. Deepwater Deep Horizon. Deepwater Horizon, Hi. yes. Event Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Deepwater Horizon. Do you want me to give you the Deepwater time? Horizon, uh, what was the one that he was the soldier? Lone Survivor. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was the first uh, one. Uh, Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, and the one that came out last year as well. <laughs> 
Damn. I fucking might have worked from last year. Patriots oh, Day. Oh, Patriots Day. I was going to get oh. it. Oh. <laughs> I got it right before it. It's too late, mate. It's garbage. It's right. Stop the recording. Mind <laughs> it. Uh, yes, so this is the fourth one. This is the first one that's not based on a American hero or true life event. This is a fictional oh, story. Completely fictional. So they've kind of went to town with it a wee bit. I would say to its detriment. This is based on a kind of elite troop, uh, kind of CIA paramilitary marksman. They're kind of Mark Wahlberg's the lead. Uh, Silva's his surname, and he's kind of like he's kind of just he plays a bit of an asshole to be honest. Who Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, they're these elite troopers and stuff like that. But he just seems like he seems like the guy from The Departed that he played, but the dialogue is much worse so he just mm. comes across like a bully with no you're not even convinced that he's even good at his job mm. um, I didn't like him so the film opens though with a kind of great they're infiltrating a sort of drugs well is it drugs I think the these kind of I think Serbians are making uh, using a, a drug called uh, an element called Kaisium and it's used for weapons and it can be deadly when it's been weaponized. So they, they, these guys have kind of infiltrated their kind of like their holdout and there's this big action scene in this house which is quite well shot. Very fast paced film. It's a short film as well. The editing style, I mean the editing beginning I, th- I thought it was fine but as the film went on it became a bit, I don't know, it was irritating. Mm. So these guys are kind of established as badass SWAT type guys and then they're tasked with protecting this uh, Indonesian uh, eco, eco, well, it's eco base. Uh, his character is called Lee Noor and he's got to be protected um, to, to this airstrip where he'll be sent away mm. and because he's got vital information to the government and the airstrip is 22 miles right. so you can see why you know mile 22. mile 22 so um <clears throat> That's kind of the, the main plot of the film. They just have to get him from A to B. Mm. Uh, he's established as, if you've seen the Raid films, uh, he could be playing the same character. Right, okay. He's pretty much a martial arts master. Yeah. And it's when he, that, to me, was that was the best bit about the film. Mm. Uh, he lets loose on some guys and it's pretty gruesome. The thing I would say, though, because it's not directed by Gareth Evans, he did the Raid films. Peter Berg's style does not work the same, where it's cut so fast, like a more Hollywood style. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned this in my review, that you don't really get the same, it doesn't have the same impact. It's more, it's kind of, it's hard to keep track of what's happening. Whereas Gareth Evans had this cool style. It was like slow, like just big wide shot camera letting loose. And you could see how just, how well choreographed the mm-hmm. martial arts were. Whereas this, feels so manipulated and, mm. and kind of just fluctuates and it just doesn't feel like uh, you can relax it watching it. Fluid or, it doesn't, or, yeah. Uh, and it, it's, it, it ruins it, I think. When you've seen it done better, you can only think, mm. I wish I was watching Gareth Evans and no, this was just no. been a raid film. As well as that, a lot of the SWAT stuff feels very like the Bourne films, but again, doesn't feel as good. That was the main issue I brought up in the review is... Mm. This film is trying to do a lot of things, but it doesn't feel like it's nailing them, and it feels like you've seen everything <clears throat> done better. So do you think it's just the way you're kind of describing it is, is that they probably have liked the concept of the Raid, Raid 2, they've probably liked the concept of 
Well, it, it seems like Bond film yeah, and just went, yeah, let's just yeah. put these two it's been like, worlds together. Our Mark Wahlberg lead character draw. He's a big draw for a lot of people. He's you know he makes a lot of money from these films, and this, they've got a great partnership. Clearly, Berg and Mark Wahlberg have, have established over these four films or three films before. So you're not the highest paid actor last year, probably. Mark and if you've seen his um his schedule, oh, I'm surprised they even had time to make this film. <laughs> but they obviously have then looked at you know this you know uh, eco ubes and 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 went to think you know that'd be a winning combination yeah. to me i just wanted his character and less of the Walberg uh-huh. character he was so unlikable it kind of felt <laughs> like he should have been the villain and because it doesn't feel like you're meant to root for him you just feel like a bully the way he shouts at his his team these mm-hmm. girls on the team ronda rousey's in it she was given she was i mentioned this again in my review she felt like one-dimensional swat lady didn't have mm. any character whatsoever she could have been anyone in that team so again, to me, the, the sort of scripting and the plot, character development was not there. I think that that needed another pass. They needed somebody to come in and sort of shape these characters better. Um, some of the dialogue is, is there's a line something like, "I'm gonna fucking kill the fuck out of these motherfuckers," like, <laughs> like it's that kind of like twelve-year-old lazy. Sounds as if it should be like in Team America or something. Yeah, like it seemed parody, you know, broy type yeah. stuff. And, kill the fuck out. Aye. Kill the fuck out. It was like, oh, yeah, really? Would, would the guys say that? And I get well, a lot. Of, I get a lot of people. Uh, I get the feeling a bit more professional and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I get the feeling a lot of people would sort of defend it and say, "Well, it's an action film. Don't take it seriously." But at the same time, I'm I'm also con, you know, wary of other films have done everything this film has done, but much better. It just feels like it's the sum. And there's a cynical side to this. The ending is clearly leading to more films. The it's like it feels really abrupt. It, we, I couldn't believe me and my fee uh, went to see it with. We couldn't believe it. We actually looked at each other in shock that mm. it was like black screen credits. It felt like there was another that's half an hour. And normally I don't feel that way. Usually it's the opposite. I've spoken about it. It's, I think it's only about ninety minutes or ninety-two minutes or something. But um, so I shouldn't have been surprised probably. But it felt it was a very fast-paced film, and it got to the end, and it felt like that was the end of the second act, and we're mm. about to enter into the third yeah. act, and it's like oh no credits. And then and normally I'm fine with that. I like a, a fast paced film but it somehow felt like it was lacking and it was and it, the, the cynical commercial side of it was we are and i read about it they're planning a trilogy mm. so maybe the maybe the idea of that is let's make it an hour and a half which and, i'm surprised yeah. about because the the story. we spoke about the majority of these films that are coming out tend to are actually tended to to to, to reach that two hour and i was gonna thing. yeah i meant i was gonna mention that, that that this film was the opposite of that but they were doing it for a more cynical reason they've plotted out actually, you know, basically they've, they've went this is going to be a trilogy essentially almost like kind of cutting it short leaving you wanting more well i didn't <laughs> um i thought if it i think i would maybe have been okay with it if the writing was better mm. and the actual editing and the, the direction from peter berg i just was not as uh, happy with it. I wasn't as impressed as I, I got the feeling it could have been. I think it could have been better. Wahlberg can be a good. He's a good leading man. I just thought his character was poor. I didn't like how. Does this... that does that then come in? Because again, we spoke about this in the previous podcast. Does that and I and I'm now starting to get to the point where are we being too overcritical on these no, films I think that we need, no, that no, we need to hold back? But I'll, no, I, I, think the point here, that, I will say this. Uh, I gave it a three-star review. So that would that is to be seen as a recommendation. Uh, a three-star review is a qualified recommendation. It's If you like 
that's a very violent film. If you like that type of thing, then by all means, go and check it out right. and make up your own mind. There is, Iko Uwe's is incredible in this film. Right. Like, he is awesome. He is exactly what you want him to be. He's kicking ass, and um, it's violent, well choreographed, impressive martial arts, mm-hmm. and that is, to me, the strong point of the film. I probably should have highlighted that earlier on the review, as well as the fact that, you know, the film is violent, and there is the odds. The start scene is quite, you know, quite impressive. It's sort of like shaky cam violent yeah, sort of SWAT team kind of feels like Call of Duty or something oh, yeah. it is it's it's quite so there is things to like about this film this is not by any means a bad film no, 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 I just no, think no, it's I just think it's a flawed film and I think it could I, have been better what so I'm think, highlighting is there is there's issues here that definitely could have been better and if, we, if they want us to buy into them having a trilogy they, this should have been a better film yeah. because it's cynically ended with that sort of clear cliffhanger but Three-star film, go and see it if you think from what I've, you've, I've said, go and see it kind of mm-hmm. thing. You might like it. It's kind of on you if you like that. I know, it just kind of seems like, from what you're saying, <clears throat> again, I'm trying to be less critical of stuff, but from, again, we spoke about it in the previous podcast, it, this film maybe just sounds as if it's just victim of that unimaginative creative writing. Because this is... This it is felt a, like... Well, he's popular, he's popular, right. get them both in, write the script, boom. Right. And because they are clearly better, the, Peter Berg is clearly a good director and Wahlberg is really is well suited to play these specific type of all-American heroes they've pre- previous, right. previously played. I think deviating from that is where it's went wrong. They should look for more stories like those other films mm. and do more films like that. I think that's clearly where the partnership works better. I think it's just, I think it's just Hollywood as a whole. It's, it's, I think it's, it's just creating looking at things and going... That film worked. That film worked. Let's mm-hmm. put it together because it's, it's it must work. Yeah. Well, that's that. Free star film for that. Uh, what uh, what else do you want to talk about? So briefly, I'll mention Ocean's Eight, uh, and I will mention Ocean's Eight very briefly. I would give that two out of five. I would not recommend that film at all. No. Uh, it was a complete. I just don't understand the, the purpose of it. To be honest, like. So really big cast: Sandra Bullock, uh, Kate Blanchett, Rihanna. There's a few others as well. Sarah Poulter. Forget. It's a really good cast. However, the script was so bad. There was no chemistry between the actual cast. Like if you think back to, you know, the original Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve. You know, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, George Clooney. Mm. These guys just bounced off each other. It was amazing chemistry. This was kind of like trying to get that back, but really, really forced throwbacks to the old films. Was it Steven Soderbergh directing? It was produced by Steven Soderbergh, mm-hmm. um, directed by Gary Ross. So, in fact, Anne Hathaway's in it as well. Uh, Sarah Poulsen, you were Poulsen, thinking on. Was it, Helena yeah. Bonham Carter's in it. So it's, a, it's a brilliant cast of female, mm-hmm. and especially in this... And that and in the time that this was brought out, when mm-hmm. the, the that kind of whole like the movement and the representation, you know, better representation, oh, bigger films. and it was just like this I, is a this is a great platform to have all these strong female characters. I think in it's place. a shame that they give. The, why do they have to use the Oceans franchise? It's kind of like what happens with the Ghostbusters film. Uh, I I feel like they can do a lot. With this all female cast, but don't tack it onto an already established franchise. Just as I'm just saying, give it's just, it its, it's new that, franchise it's, and and obviously write a better script of the film. The, I've not seen it, so it's just the, I think I think it's the problem with Hollywood. It's just 
you know, you've got all, all of all of those amazing. I mean, Sandra Bullock, Anne Hathaway, mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett, they're all amazing actresses, all either Academy Award winning or nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why put them? It's just the unimaginative, uncreative it's, Hollywood. Un- unfortunately, it's marketing. It means if you put out a film called Ocean's Eight or put out a film well, called Heist featuring women or whatever the name could be, it, people are going to go and see the name that they know. Uh, the Ocean's films is filming. This is how marketing works. It's just well, a I'll tell you what. That, just looking at the Wikipedia, it had a budget of seventy million, and it made just under three hundred million at the box office. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we'll probably get. Yeah. An Ocean's Nine, yeah, like that unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but no, for me, um, so that's a two star. Review. I would say two stars. I think that okay. the actual plot and this where it went, it just it just didn't work for me. Okay, we've got. We'll we'll move on because we don't want to talk too much about that. What else did you say you've got? Um, so I recently watched. In fact, I don't think we've actually spoken about it. Um, at detail, we're not going into too much detail, but I know you'd seen Sicario 2 long before I did. That's right, so I watched uh, Sicario 2, loved it. I think we probably would come to the same conclusion that it just wasn't as strong as Sicario. True. Performances overall were really good. There's more, this is obviously, this film was a full focus on the. Well, it was the it was the whole uh, U.S. border. It was the yeah. whole kind of it was uh, people trafficking, traffic, people trafficking, right. which I, I I feel like I haven't seen a lot of films that, su- that have that as a subject. So I like that element of it. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and I think mostly that was carried out well. You know, and Benicio del Toro is always imposing. I think my we won't like I said we won't talk about it too much. Overall, I loved the again. It had this. It was a different director. This wasn't Daniel. No, no, I think you tell that. Well. I, no, I think you can tell. I that. think you can tell to an extent. I think uh, um, I forget. I, I don't have to forgive him, but I can't remember his name. This I, one I, felt I, to I, to me. It felt yes. It was trying to emulate Denis Villeneuve, and so it wasn't original in any mm. way. And I didn't have an issue with it because I think it mostly actually captured the feeling of Sicario really well for most of the film. I have an issue with the ending, but the overall tone of the film was exactly to me how the first one was the music and the uh, the cinematography wasn't even the same Roger Deakins who did mm-hmm. who eventually because he was doing Blade Runner so yeah, so he finally got his Oscar this yeah. is a cinematographer that's been for years missed out on the Oscar famously mm-hmm. and he is amazing he did the initial Sicario but it wasn't him the second time and I feel that the cinematographer for this one yeah. got it right again I think overall it looked really good the film I have an issue with the ending this isn't a spoiler review for this so I won't give it away but the ending feels very contrived feels very like kind of comic book like the very last scene um, and I'm just going to leave it at that also this film kind of pits the two characters against each other, which fe- feels less... Brolin and Del Toro. Brolin and Del Toro, and it felt less grounded the way that the first one did. And I think you miss the <clears throat> character from the first Emma, one. Emma Blunt's Emma character. Blunt. Emily Blunt. Uh, Emily Blunt's character. I think her role was integral to be our window into their aye, world. The aye. sort of, like, unknown. So I don't think we had that this time. And I think that slightly... It was a... It was a, a it was, very, it was a very macho film. I thought it was. I thought it was kind of. It probably did need another f- a f- uh, female. It, it, to me, it kind of swayed that the first Sicario was bit. It was slow. There was a lot of kind of shoot up, shoot 'em ups and stuff like that. But it wasn't as straightforward as here's here's a scene where a group of guys just shooting at mm-hmm. each other. It was it was very intense. It was. Do you know what I mean? Like when they went down in the tunnel uh-huh. and stuff like that. It was like great scenes. Oh, where, the tension. Oh, it was amazing. A masterclass right, in tension right. building. That is this how you one, build tension. This one, 
I think I there was there really was some got, good. I never got as much tension. If oh, I really? Was. And it felt it kind of just felt like it kind of just spiraled into a shoot 'em up. I would I would say mostly it still had the flavour of the first Sicario, just not quite as good, but still a very good film and still worth seeing. I just didn't have a, I had a real issue with that ending, but we've pretty much covered that. We'll oh, I, mean, I would still say four. Yeah, it's I'm, four I'm, I'm on the, it's on the four star train for me. Yeah. The first one was clearly a five. This one yeah. was a four. Which is by no means a bad thing. If the the second sequel is still a four star film, that's that's it's just yeah. not as good as the original. So that's Sicario two four star film. Uh, still a recommendation from Capiche. What else did you say you want to talk? About? Uh, right. So uh, again, briefly, without getting too much into it, Mission Impossible Fallout. Ah, mm. uh, yep. Absolutely loved the film. I'm going to be honest. As uh, again. You think this is the fifth instalment of Mission Impossible? I think this is the fifth. Uh, this is the sixth. Is that the sixth? One, two, three was Mission Brad. Three was, uh, this was that uh, was JJ uh, Abrams that directed. Uh-huh. It. Brad Bird directed the four. Really good film. Have you seen three? No, I've not seen any. I've only seen two, and that's uh, John Woo's film. Uh, uh, thingy Hoffman. Dustin, no, Dustin uh, I know he Philip Seymour. Philip Seymour. He's amazing on Mission Impossible 3. So I've seen two, and I absolutely hated <laughs> it, and it put me off Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh, the only thing I liked about it was because I liked Limp Biscuit, and that was the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a weird warped version yeah. of that film. So I have missed three, four, and five was uh, Rogue Nation. Do you know what? As if you need to, I tell you what we'll do. Right, see as a deja review. See if you go back and, and watch, watch. We were talking about this off air for whatever reason, and I don't know why, because everyone's obviously got their opinion about Tom Cruise. He seems mm-hmm. like a Marmite actor. Mm-hmm. You either love him or hate him in some things. I'm coming round to him, uh, well, mostly I, because of his dedication to I craft think, the stunt work. I, I think most, for me, I think I quite like most Tom Cruise films, whether mm-hmm. or not you like the man or not. I still need to just take him as he's an actor. See, if you like listen to interviews with, especially the director of uh, Christopher McQuarrie of uh, the Mission Impossible films, they've got nothing but amazing things uh, to say about uh, Everyone, he seems like a right good professional, uh, very courteous and very caring of everyone in the crew. And the ego that I imagined hearing about it doesn't isn't the the same as what I. I I thought I'd built in my head from these early days, and I think I think it's only his uh, well beliefs in certain. Well, it's the stigma with the psychology uh, thing. It's the stigma that kind of hold him. uh, It's it's the whole relationship with Kate Holmes and all that kind of stuff that kind of follows him about. It gives him the bad pipeline. Anyway, yeah, Tom Cruise aside, for me, since Mission Impossible Two, and it's amazing, and it's 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 a great thing to say to a franchise, especially in the modern day. That every film that they release is actually yeah they a, do a seem to have an ascent the, the, in terms the, the of like, yeah they seem to up their game stunt wise of course you hear about you know what was the big stunt uh, they done you know this is the, the, the airplane thing oh, the, some of the stunts in uh, Fallout is just amazing well uh, the helicopter stuff uh, he's he's driving he's actually piloting the helicopters uh, uh, in real life it's which crazy. is crazy. It's crazy and obviously you know the risk didn't work out in some ways because they had to shut filming because he broke his leg which is uh, a detriment of having your main lead uh, doing <laughs> the stunts uh, and the first time it's happened but yeah. showing that he's actually a human being and not just this uh, just, un- uh, untouchable, untouchable guy but yeah, I love the obviously there's without getting into too much spoiler detail the chemistry between him and Henry Cavill yeah. aka Mustache Gate mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that was good uh, obviously leads towards the end of the film but I I, I loved it I, I would probably give it four 
I don't think it's. I don't think it's as a, you know what I mean. It's like, it's a film. It is what it is. I don't. I don't think I could give it five. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I couldn't give it five. For, but I know that some critics gave it. I know the Empire. They I gave it five stars. That, they I, loved I, it. I don't know. What I, I, I suppose I'm probably thinking. But I actually was lower. I was. I was a high three. Were you a high three? I don't know. I think what it was for me was that you're right. The stunt work and the action scenes, and not just action as in gunfights, there was all types of action handled really well. The execution was perfect. Yeah. Christopher McQuarrie's got a great way of... Um, his direction style was really good, and I think Cruise was perfect. The fight scene in the bathroom was great. Oh, it's amazing. Like man. the martial art, yeah. the, the choreography, and the, the, the how brutal it looked, yeah. and the sort of comic touch that was added into it as well, you yeah. know, people coming in and stuff like that. It was all... Uh, I, like, I really liked that. kind of reminded me of... Tom Cruise's film, seen in Jack Reacher, oh, when he's in yeah. the, uh, the, <laughs> the bathroom. I love that right. scene in Jack Reacher, and I think, yeah, you're right, it was a slightly, like, almost like a callback thing. Kind of, and I think all that stuff worked out. There was um, helicopter fights, fights over cliffs with, you know, towards the end, you know, really great scenery as well. I think for me, what slightly held it back was, I think I wasn't quite following a lot of the plot. I think it was all a wee bit over my head. There was a lot of stuff that relied on you have seen, having seen the I, other films. I direct, it's, it's, so it's I was, the thing at the plot yeah. line with his wife. Yeah. He marries his wife in Mission Impossible 4. Mm-hmm. That, that in fact, no, I think she's Mission Impossible 3. So having coming in cold to right. all of that really and just not being experienced with that franchise I didn't quite know what was going on a lot um, so it kind of went over my head a wee bit I didn't quite get as immersed and I think <laughs> some people who have followed that, it, is that that film's photo? no it's, 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 a bit, it's probably a bit of both I think it, what I think is going to happen is I'll watch all the others and then re-watch that and have a better appreciation right. for right. it but I can appreciate you know, the stunt work, the action, the dedication in the cinematography and Christopher McQuarrie's directing style, as well as you say, the chemistry I think was good with uh, Henry the, Cavill. It's the first film that Henry Cavill, although he is playing... And I'm not a big Henry Cavill uh, fan. Uh, like, like, although he is playing that kind of big, brute, deadpan... The, it was the, two yeah. alpha males coming together, aye, aye. and it was great to see. Aye. I liked that. I think the other what I was going to come to was the thing that slightly... I wasn't on board with was a lot of it was cutting back to the other characters in this sort of and I think I always wanted just to stay with Tom Cruise and what was happening there. But so that's it's coming the back to Mission Simon. Impossible though. What's that? Because that's the beauty of Mission Impossible though. Is this is, the, that, is it the beauty? Of ah, yeah, it's because it's still it's still the team. Yeah, I think um I, I somehow wasn't. So Luther. I wasn't uh, finding what was going on with Simon Pegg and the others as exciting as what was uh, happening with Tom Cruise. But it's it's kind of almost. This is what I mean about it's like that journey because he never Simon, had them before. Uh, Simon Pegg gets introduced in four, I think it is. Luther's been with him, I think, since the very start. So it's good to see their journey as well. So no, I definitely think there's a place for that. Okay, fair uh, enough. Well. We'll settle on your review of the four star. We'll give it the higher score on this podcast. Uh, I'm the high three, you're the four. No, it's four star. Four star, right, okay. <laughs> we'll have to fight it out later. So it's a four star review for Mission Impossible Fallout. What else have we got to discuss? So, again, we keep on saying, <laughs> keep on saying that right, right, just quickly. But I would probably have to say so there's a film called Upgrade. Mm. Um, I would say that that's very similar or it has similarities in terms of the, the storyline and plot to Venom. So basically, uh, lead character, can't remember his name, but he is a, he is a, he's a paraplegic, 
Right, have you seen Upgrade? Nope. Right, I'm not spoil it. Right, so he's a paraplegic um, and he gets some uh, state-of-the-art technology implanted in his uh, neural, uh, the back of his head, basically, which means when activated, he can move. Okay. He can become full, a full responsive and, you know, working person. Uh, however, with that switched off, or he's back to paraplegic. Yeah. Okay. What turns out is is that it's actually it's actually state of the art artificial intelligence, and it's a thing called STEM. And STEM talks to the lead character like Venom. And does he call him a turd then? He doesn't call him a turd. All right. No, but there is there is I would say it's clever dialogue and it's more clever writing. Okay. It's funny, but it's not as if calling him a pussy or it's a I, bit more higher brow. Aye, aye. It's very, very well done. Even the way he talks, it's obviously not put through a voice modulator where it sounds like a dog growling like Venom is. Mm. Uh, it's just a very polite person talking like that. Mm-hmm. Would you like me to kill this man? You know what I mean? It's, it's that. Sounds it's, like uh, Vision from... Well, it's a, do you know what? A wee bit. <laughs> a wee bit, actually, aye. It's, it's very good. But some of the action scenes in this film are amazing. Like, amazing. Okay. It's amazingly done. It's kind of almost like a throwback because this artificial intelligence takes over his entire system. He's got no control. Obviously, he can see it. So again, it's like throwbacks to when Venom takes control of Eddie Brock. Yeah. And obviously, Eddie Brock doesn't know what he's doing, but he's just looking. But his his body's making the movements himself. But it's almost like the fighting scenes are so much better. The, and it's kind of almost like the fighting scenes that you remember the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Remember the first time you see the Matrix and they kind of falling right back and back up again and all that kind of stuff. Time. Aye, a wee bit like that. It's kind of like movements of the body that defy science, okay. almost. But it's because this thing is it's artificial intelligence. Aye, it's just making him move in ways that he probably shouldn't move. Okay. I, I think it's a I think it's a really, really good film. I would give it a four star. Okay. Uh, I thoroughly recommend it. It's so, kind of one of these films that's went under the radar in yeah. terms of summer blockbusters. Don't know if it would fall into the, the, hidden, um, the hidden gem category. It might do. I've barely heard anything about it. I would thoroughly recommend it. Two films that probably would get into the hidden gems for me is a film I actually watched last night and it's called Eighth Grade, right? And the girl who plays... I think her name's Isla Isla Fisher. Right? Oh yeah, I've heard of her. I think it's an Isla Fisher, really young girl, but she is amazing, and I mean amazing. The film is a very simple premise: it's, it's just a young girl, uh, and she's fighting where demons are basically. She's got no confidence. Uh, she doesn't snug at any friends. She's got a really kind of strange, but so endearing. Uh, and warming relationship with her dad because her dad just dotes over her. Okay. But she's doing this kind of angst teenage thing where there's a really funny scene where she's in the car with her dad and her dad's just driving the car and he's just looking out the window and she just turns to him and says, like, Dad, can you stop the weird? Can you stop being weird? Can you stop doing that? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just looking <laughs> out the window. And she's like, I know, but you know what I mean? You can look out the window, but can you just stop being weird about it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's just, it's just that kind of teenage... You know, but it's really good because it's then her escape from it is that she does uh, like YouTube videos. So she actually goes on to YouTube's to YouTube videos to give other people her age advice of how you should go and talk to people. But actually, when she is in the real world, she can't actually do it. Oh wow! So it's a great, it's a great kind of modern take mm-hmm. on 
probably what actually a 13-year-old has to go through these days. It sounds like they've captured what an actual 13-year-old oh, everything, like. Everything's on. The director's, uh, director's Bo Burnham. He's a comedian. He's in actually, actually in a film called The Big Sick. It's oh, really okay. good to yeah. recommend. But I think he started off as a YouTuber. Right. So what this is, this is again, it's just modern-day teenagers. It's just social media has just taken over the world. And it basically just shows this girl can be confident mm-hmm. on talking on a camera, but in real world, about some of the some of the situations she gets herself in, it's just so awkward, but it's brilliantly done. I think it's commenting on the sort of like trend of the sort of kids are more familiar with speaking to camera, but 100%. social, there's not increasing any social and not, not not just her. It's just you know the the other kids. Some of the kids. I mean, it's, some of them are just hilarious. Do you know what I mean? It's just so funny. So I would thoroughly recommend that film, and I would actually give it a five star. Wow, I'd five, a five, five star. star review from yeah. Capiche. It's not. It's been a wee while from a five star review. Oh, honestly, it's just that it, out of the blue, I thought let's just watch it. It's the same comedy. Like watched it. There was a couple of scenes where it was. It wasn't just. It wasn't just like chortling. Mm-hmm. It was like full on laughing uh, at how painstakingly awkward somebody okay. and it was just captured. So like well. a smartly deft written. Oh, it's just and it's very simple. You know, it's a very it's simple just, premise. It's just you know, it's a great, great story, okay. but it's told I'll, so well and it's it's visualised so well as excellent. well. Okay, uh, five star review for the okay. other one uh, before we probably go and talk about Predator is a film called Hold the Dark. It's a Netflix original film. The basic premise is uh, Jeffrey Wright, who is in Westworld. Okay. And he played uh, Felix in the in Casino Royale. Uh, oh right, yeah. Aye. Um, he is called out to a remote. I think it's Alaska, somewhere in Alaska, to hunt a wolf who's uh, killed this woman's uh, child. What transpires is there's almost like a kind of strange cult environment, um, and things happen. But it's a very. It's, do you know what? Actually, the setting setting's very similar to Wind River. It's oh, very bleak. Right, yeah. It's very cold. It's out in the sparse mm-hmm. Alaskan sort of wilderness type thing. Yeah. So Jeffrey Wright's in it. Alexander Skarsgård. Skarsgård. He's in it as well. He plays the husband of the woman who called uh, the hunter for the wolf. And he's brilliant in it. Okay. He's a big guy and he's very daunting. And there is a scene in it that's just. A brilliant scene. It's one of the most brutal sort of shoot 'em ups I've seen in a while. Okay. Um, it's the tension and it's brilliant, and it's probably one of the best Netflix original films I've seen. Wouldn't give it a five. I would definitely give it a four star. I definitely recommend it. Okay, four star review then, and that will lead us on to our final film. There's nothing else you want to talk about? Uh, very briefly, anything like that? No. Okay, we'll move on to our final film and spoilerific detail. This is a spoiler cast part now for The Predator, which is, the name would suggest the first, but it's actually the third, technically. Uh, they want mm. you to think it's the third. This follows Predator well, 2. Do you know what, actually? Does I, not actually, I actually think there's throwbacks to Alien vs. Predator as well. Probably. I'm sure there's Easter eggs for Alien vs. Predator. I think there's probably Easter eggs, but they're seeing the continuity as that it's following the Predator 2. Aye, Predator 2. Aye. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, Shane Black directing his return in a sense. He was in the first film, Killed Off. The first Killed Off. Hawkins. Hawkins, yeah. 
and he's now directing. He's obviously in the meantime since uh, you know being in Predator, he directed Last Action Hero and wrote for and Lethal Weapon yeah, films and things weapon. like that. So pretty decent. Um, directed the other yeah. guys, Russell Crowe and yeah. Gosling. So you know, <clears throat> big name now coming in back to the Predator and directing cast. We've got you know Boyd Holbrook as the lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this film had some potential, I think. I think you'll probably... Deter- our feelings on this will be quite obvious, so we might as well say it right now. We are not particularly up on this film. I've given it two-star review. I'll give it a one-star review. Yeah, you really didn't like it, did yeah. you? So, yeah, not the greatest things to say about it. It was fundamentally flawed, I would say, at best. Well, how would you start the basic premise, then? I mean, this this film starts showing off the Predator first scene in space and mm. spaceship. Any spaceship. I mean, for me, I think that's just to me that yeah, I wasn't keen on that either. The the thing is with with Predator, the, the original Predator film with Schwarzenegger, it's the thing that I've always loved about any type of film is just tension. Mm. The thing about modern films is is it, and we spoke about it in the Venom uh, podcast. They've just got to show you as much of the main sort of player in the film as they can to get you drawn in. You look back at the likes of films like Predator, First Alien, Jaws, you don't actually see yeah, the, the, the full... The monster until March later. Until March Probably until like mid-third act yeah. in some of these films. I think uh, the argument against that is that, well, it's the, what, the fourth film and third film and, you know, we know what it looks like, big deal, but just basic... Just Cinema no, 101 just, is tension is still can be brought ah, of course it can. by luring it. But even in. even that the 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 thing about the Predator or Shane Black's the Predator is the whole the whole talk of it was it was about evolving it was about the game has evolved that was a tagline right so it wasn't about the Predators fighting humans or trying to to kill humans it was now the the, the main sort of plot about this is predators are actually they're experimenting on themselves because in the scene where they when they capture the predator obviously i'm kind of jumping on here but when they capture the predator there is actual human dna within that predator right so obviously they're talking about the well they're obviously experimenting and trying to create like hybrids so then there is an actual hybrid predator which is double the size of a normal predator However, that reveal in this film is wasted because we've seen it in the trailer. Mm. And this is what I'm talking about. That's the that's the change, that's the new element being brought into this film and it, you already know it's going to happen. Yeah. So just, do, do you know what I mean? It kind of ruins it and when it, and when it does come in, you go, oh, well, that's obviously that big guy that, that we've seen in the trailer. So that's not really a surprise. Nothing in the film surprised me. As I say... The opening scenes, you see the Predator straight away, he crashes into Earth, crashes into a, a conflict where Boyd Holbrook's in, he sees the Predator, there's a quick battle there, Boyd Holbrook manages to retrieve the sort gauntlet of, uh, and the stealth, almost, sends in the mask and he sends it back to his son in America. The son, they obviously capture it, uh, and Boyd Holbrook's kind of on the run. The son gets it, who is Trembling? Uh, Jacob, J- Jacob Trem- Trem- Trembling. Trembling. 
Kind of a, a shy kid, slightly troubled, a wee bit bullied type kid. Kind of very aut- autistic. Autistic, yeah. Very autistic guy. Um, he, he's clearly he, gifted as well. Uh, he obviously gets the alien technology, and because he has got autism, he masters it. Mm-hmm. Right, so, and I get that. I quite like that idea. Yeah, it, it led it. to one funny scene in the film. Aye, aye. Didn't mind it. Um, but what that does is that it activates the beacon to the bigger predator, mm. which then obviously wants to come and find that predator and wipe them out because that's the new game. The new game is bigger predator wants to fight original predator, but then obviously the conflict with humans as well. However, the getting to all that is just so... I thought it was poorly plotted. I I thought it was weak. I mean, the plot is just... I can't believe a guy who was in the original film, a guy who is wrote a lot of creative stuff mm-hmm. in terms of, you know... He's known for edgy dialogue and, uh, oh, you know, sardonic wit. Oh. I found it... I found it immature and puerile. I mean, we were, we were talking about Venom was quite uh, badly scripted. I thought Predator was worse. Predator was worse. The, the, the comedy aspect, I mean, Thomas Jane, who is... I've never really known him to be a, kind of almost in a comedic role. He's a guy who's playing a he's playing a guy with Tourette's. Mm. He's got a good relationship with the I can't remember his name. He's a main comedian. He's in the big sick as well. I think they were fine, but they were also underused. So this will set up what these characters were. Boyd Holbrook, the lead, you know, known from Narcos and Logan. He uh, is been sort of diagnosed PTSD from yeah. you know I think from the sort of. Is, well, it from the, is it from the encounter with the Predator? Aye, so the armies, the, uh, armies, sorry, the armies finally got a hold of him. They finally tracked him down and caught him. They okay. want to bring him in for question to see what he knows. Mm-hmm. So they've think, they've uh, diagnosed him with PTSD, put him in the bus with these... With kind they, of, yeah, they call themselves the loonies. Aye, aye. It's a very sensitive of the film. <laughs> to... Aye, so then they're, they're on the bus, he's on the bus with them. There's what what Shane Blacks tried to recreate was that like they're they kind of on they're like a wee a sort of elite troop of military types hunting the predator aye, aye. and that's kind of what the sense is going for. He's tried to subvert it with making them the loonies. You aye, know? They, they kind of all and, outcasts. And uh, they out, they're all misfits, outcasts. They've got awkward dialogue. I, I, it didn't work for me. I didn't find them funny enough to be endearing. I didn't. And find I found it, I just found it. It was almost actually insensitive <laughs> to some of it. See, see, to be honest, it, it it gets to a point where you look at the creative writing, you look at the you know when you're talking about plot, you're talking about screenplay. I actually thought that acting was deplorable in the film. Mm. And it not just because it's just the way that the, maybe it was because of the lines that these guys were done. But the, just the way they delivered it, I thought Thomas Jane's acting was so awkward. He's the guy that's meant to be having the Tourette's. Tourette's. But it's just so bad. Yeah. And even going, even, even kind of fast forwarding to the point, I don't even know your man's name, but he's, I think he's actually, uh, Peter Keyes is the, is the, he's in Predator 2, and he's trying to capture the Predator. Who's he played by? The son of mm-hmm. the actor. Uh, yeah, he is actually it. his son in real life. That was... And I've never yeah. seen such a bad acting performance in all my life. It looked like guy. a rabbit caught in the headlights. Oh, my thing God. It was like, line. He was... 
he was so awkward to watch. Yeah. And it was such a, it was such an awkward because I think his name's Sean Keys in it. Yeah. So you know that way it was like the it's, the guy uh, goes like, that, oh who, who who what's your name? And then it's like, I'm Sean Keys. Is it Gary Busey's son? Gary Busey, sorry, I don't know what he's. Gary Busey, it's Gary Busey's son, I think. Ah, it's Gary Busey, I. Um, and it's just you know that way it's introduced and it's like. Uh, the name's Keys, Sean Keys, and it stays on him as if you're meant to go, oh, that's Peter Keys' son. It's just so well, awkward. I didn't know that because I'd, I've only seen The Predator once or twice and barely remember the character oh names. God. That went over my head, but I was thinking, am I supposed to think something about this guy? He was just, the, again, the acting was terrible. Uh, and then there's the, so there's the, the, the female lead, I can't remember what her name is in real life. Uh, we are. We are literally terrible at this. I know. But she's she's introduced to the, the gang of misfits and there's a scene in the hotel room and they, they're doing a joke about doing a joke about her pussy, basically, because that was the running joke in the first Predator and it's actually Olivia Munn. That's the one that I so then she's introduced and the thing is about uh, where the original Predator is Hawkins, Shane Black's character. He has a, a running joke. Uh, and he always talk, he's got two jokes and always talks about uh, his girlfriend's pussy right so they, he tries to emulate that in this scene in the hotel room and they make a joke about it first and you think right then they keep on that same joke about three or four lines later and then they keep on that joke and it's just it's not funny yeah. it wasn't funny the first time Stop, just move on. And then, there, but there was a lot of times in this film where it was almost as if it was trying to, it just, it just didn't work. It felt like it was again ad lib type stuff. It didn't feel like it was written that way. If it I was written that way, I think it probably was as well. And it was just, it, it was wasn't so funny. Bad. It was so so bad. I, the script, the tone of the, the humour for me didn't work. I thought character decisions were, were, were off. Um, there's a scene when Boyd Holbrook. I think it's near the end. He fires like a tranquilizer dart through the face of someone right in front of his child. Yeah. And then makes a joke about it uh, as if. Aye, you it's, know, okay, it's okay. It's like, Aye. would Aye. that really? I mean, uh, this is meant to be the hero of the film. Uh, I just. I never got, I never, I never seen him as that lead hero. He wasn't, and I, and I don't think that's his fault. I think Boyd Holbrook's brilliant in some of the roles that he's in. Yeah, I loved him, and he's great in Narcos. I think he's got a, a cool presence about him, and I like him in his narrative. Like, he's got a good voice and uh, things, and I liked him. And and Logan, uh, you know, although his character disappears, I'd say, uh, he's towards the end. In Logan he was the first bit. third, he had a great charisma. He's got that kind of presence, uh -huh. so that's what he's a good look about uh, as so well. You, you think, okay, Boyd Holbrook. Um, oh, I've just actually realised. I've just actually remembered the ending of Predator. Of yeah, Predator. that final oh line. This is spoiler cast, so we can talk about. Oh, it. oh right. So anyway, um, so he. I mean, there's another. There's another kind of plot as well, where the big Predator has got these three dogs, of these three. Oh God, I forgot about them. The three Predator dogs, right? So there's a big fight in a in a football field, and they kill the other ones. But then this one of the Predator dogs got shot in the head. And you don't actually see it running away. You don't actually see it. It just, it's just there, and it's just walking about, and nobody's, nobody's doing anything to it. And then it just, you don't see it. You just, and it almost looks as if, when I was watching the film, I thought, is, 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 is the, is the, is the real skipped? 
because of what happened there. I don't know what, it just seems, the editing in the film was awful yeah. as well. It seemed as if things should have been somewhere, but they weren't. And then what you find is, is that later in, there's a later scene where apparently the dog did run away and then it comes back. Yeah. And it's just, but uh, what? But the, the thing that just tipped it off for me, and I, and I think most of the, there was a lot of, a lot of CGI in it as well that I thought was really, really poor. And it was really poorly done. Um, the interactions between the two predators as well. I thought the original predator looked amazing. In mm-hmm. terms of the actual look of the alien, yeah. Um, the new predator, uh, it just it was just a, a five foot taller predator. There was nothing really unique about him. No, I know. Um, so in terms of that, it was disappointing. I thought the only scene that was remotely exciting was that initial scene when the predator sort of is, escapes from the military hospital uh, when it starts just. You know, killing everyone. I thought there was some menace there. I quite like. I like that. Some of that was was decent. I think for me, I just didn't like it because you can see the predator in full view. That's. I know it's just going to sound daft, but to me, I wanted to see that predator escaping with his gear and being on the trees. Mm. Do you know what I mean? The best, the best bit, the best bit for me was. And if yeah, when he first when he first crashes and he has got the. You know what I mean? He has got the camo on and stealth and that kind of thing. That's that's to me is what that this film just didn't have enough enough of any. Are that. you wanting to essentially follow the same template though as the first? I wouldn't film. necessarily say follow it, but what I would probably say is is that if you can't think of anything creative other than that, just don't make it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Stop making. Just stop. Third films. Stop you, making yeah. a film if that's the way you're going to go. And do you know what? There was a, and there's another scene when they're in the woods and I thought, right, okay, good, we're in the woods. But at this point, the the original predator has been decapitated by the big one, uh, and we're now in the woods. And then that's when you actually get that kind of like the that jungle that jungle feeling. feel. Yeah. That, so there's the predator and he's he, he still is in full sight. He has obviously got camo himself or himself, but there's a there's a ridiculous scene where Thomas Jane and what did I say? Michael Key, Keegan. They end up impaled on two trees uh, with mortal injuries, right? So Thomas Jane's impaled up in a tree about 15 foot up there and, and Keegan Michael Parker's down on the, on the floor. Again, mortal injuries. Yeah. And they both, there's this really cheesy moment where they've both still got enough energy to shoot each shoot other. Each other. Yeah. And I'm just like, what am I watching? Yeah, it, yeah, it felt like I'd written my review. I gave it two stars. It kind of felt like a twelve-year-old had hijacked the script oh, and just, and, uh, just spray-painted oh. edgy dialogue and oh, stupid yeah. violence in when it was, it was and probably. Oh, you you killed me, brother! And I'll, yeah. I'll kill you. you know, it's like a pact, and you're like, oh, come on, no. But and then it was a ridiculous fight scene between Boyd Holbrook and the big predator, and then. What ensues after that is just utter madness. The last scene where Boyd Holbrook's standing, they've got some kind of technology. There's, I can't remember what it is, but they've opened this thing up and there's, there's this technology. And what it basically turns out to be is, I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to see a sign, you know how Marvel's got the, 
the uh, the intro, the Marvel intro. Yeah, like the red. I, th- I, I thought that was going to come in after it because what it looked like, it looked as if Tony Stark had created that Predator suit. <laughs> I know. And Boyd Holbrook ends in going, I take it that's my new suit. So what this is, is it's basically a, a Tony Stark, Iron Man in- inspired suit, which looks like a Predator, which a human can wear. Yeah. And I... And we were we wanted to wear the cinema to that see it. Feels like franchise, you know, bait again. Oh, like, yeah, 100%. Set up for the multi universe of the predators now and with human characters and I don't know. I wasn't. I just wasn't buying it. I just. Oh. I remember we was we went in the cinema to see it together and. I think at that point you had looked over at me and my head was in my hands. Well, I was. I kept on just shaking my head at points. Aye. Some of the dialogue, I was just just frustrated. Aye. And then I would look at you, and your head was down a lot. <laughs> and then I'd be shaking my head, and I'd look back at you, and I'd be like, yeah, this, it was just... Prashemic seemed to enjoy it. Well, the thing about Prashemic, I don't think Prashemic necessarily cared about mm-hmm. the... The thing about that is, is that it does annoy me about Prashemic, because... But... He's going to love hearing that. Oh, I know. Fuck you, Prashemic. <laughs> uh, but he was passionate about how The Last Jedi ruined the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, and this, all he cares about is jokes about pussy mm. and stuff, but this has, this has, without shadow of a doubt, ruined this franchise. I would say the franchise one was one classic film, an average film, and I've not, I can't speak for Predators Pre- do you know or what? the Alien vs. Predator films, but Pre- it's Predator only two. really one classic film. I wouldn't have Predator 2 as average. I would think I think Predator 2 is above average. I think Predator 2 is actually a really good film. Predators is average. It never took the it never took it on further. It followed very much the premise of the first one, set in the jungle, but the game had evolved still because they these humans have been taken off that off Earth and put in another game planet so the predators can hunt them, so on and so forth. It had all the things that you would want in a Predator film, however, I probably was thinking, right, okay, I've seen that before. Yeah. Right, okay. This one is just, what? <laughs> like, I'm not kidding, at the end when you see the Predator suit, you're just like, I just don't know what, I don't know what Shane Black was on. Mm. And for me, because it's ruined the franchise for me, and because I just thought the acting was terrible, plot was terrible, the storyline was terrible, the screenplay, the CGI, some of the CGI was awful. Ah, it's a one star for me. <laughs> In fact, that last scene probably, I could have probably been a two star, but that when I seen that Predator suit, I thought, no. I think some of the some of the violence, some of the creative violence was enough to give it a two star for me. The scene when the child, when the kid wearing the Predator mask, I found that kind of funny aye, not like, enough to actually aye, not laugh enough to, aye, not enough to laugh but <laughs> and also when aye. you know the bully throws whatever it was at the kid and it just triggers like the the rocket well, this is it didn't thing. feel like aye. it fitted that film and I would rather it was but it was a very you know it was that was enough for me to go well that was kind of funny I loved uh, do you know what actually as you say that see if they gave Jason uh, Jacob Tremblay mm. Jacob Tremblay see if they gave him an more I know it's I know we're talking about, right, we're turning into the, a, a, a drama, an artistic boy drama, turning into Predator, but do you think he could have actually have made it like the like him as the wee boy as actually being, because in recent Predator films, in fact all Predator films apart from the first one, the Predator has its like 
the, the main sort of like ethos is, is that the, the the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? So the predator sort of try has to befriend another human in order to defeat a higher enemy. So I kind of thought, you know, it would have been a cool plot if that if the predator somehow ended up like injured, but because this wee autistic boy was understood the the you know the the, the mechanics of, of how all that kind of worked, it's kind of almost teamed up. Now you're saying like a tag team? Not a tag team. You know what I mean? I'm not expecting Jacob <laughs> Tremblay to be cutting a bush, blowing things up, but just like in a... Well, he did. In a kind of... Oh, I, I, but in a sort of more clever way, like, I don't know if the... If the I don't know. Hmm. Just, just, just make him have more impact, because I thought... I really liked the idea of this wee boy getting this technology and learning it a lot faster than any human or any scientist would do. I think, like, as a character, he was... Kinda, he did kind of fall away from the the, the film. We came just to how Boyd Holbrook and the sort of wife and kids side of it sort of you know faltered a wee bit. It fell it fell away. Didn't feel as, as if yeah. it was any central. Didn't mean anything. And the um, thing is, is they were they, they tried to. There was a scene in the in the in the uh, there was a scene in the school, and he's just in and he's kind of being all awkward and he's being autistic and stuff. And these two bullies come in and it's a really kind of to be honest, the, the scene is meant to be awkward, and you're meant to feel for the boy, but the whole thing is just, it just feels awkward, it feels really badly acted, really mm. badly directed, and it, and you're kind of like, it just has no place in this film. Yeah. You know, they're trying to build, they spent, they spent probably more time building Jacob Tremblay's character than they actually did Boyd Holbrook, and Boyd Holbrook was meant to be the alpha male lead character. Do that make sense? I don't think it, Boyd Holbrook's character was very interesting. But because of that? Maybe. I mean, just basically. Boyd Holbrook's character was basically just, he was the captain when the thing crashed. He's now now the captain of the misfits. Yeah, these are of the, the loonies, misfits. The loonies. And he's still... Uh, I don't, there was no arc there at all. It wasn't, it, there wasn't an interesting character development at all. And yeah, for me... Not very little won me over, but it wasn't as car crash style uh, uh, for me uh, for the one star. I, I would I would give it a two. It's still a poor film and is not worthy of to be in the same class as that first Predator film. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've probably touched on most of what we want to say about the Predator. Um, there's nothing really else you want to mention. I think it's one of the films that's it never offended me as much as the Last Jedi, but this film. The Last Jedi, I would say, is better than this. No, that's what I'm saying. I never offended. Last Jedi was a disappointment, but it was still actually a decent film. Aye, it wasn't aye. a very good Star aye. Wars film. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like Last Jedi did try and did try its best not to be a Star Wars film. Yeah. The Predator has just taught it. it felt, as I say, the last the last scene is just it's just off the wall. Let's just say I'm not intrigued about whatever they're deciding to do with this franchise if they're you know, gonna keep them going. Which it just looks are. like it just looks like the the, the war machine suit mm. and the Don Cheeto wears in Avengers. It's like everyone just wants to copy that Marvel formula. So yeah, I think we'll leave it on that. Uh, it's sitting between a two and a one star it's a film. One star. It's uh, your way again. If I see if I could. Well, I've I've given it a two star review, so it's officially on. Unless you write your own review, this is a two star film we're talking about. Not the read your reviews. <laughs> My mum read it and she liked it. Hi, Mrs. Barry. <laughs> okay, that'll do us uh, for this podcast. 
we'll um, hopefully find time to do another one before the film of the year extravaganza we'll be discussing well probably this film at some point probably not in the best films category of course our films of the year best visuals hidden gems uh, <clears throat> most disappointing and worst film and i wonder which one this one will come into yeah i think i think the predator is going to be my worst film you can pretty much i've seen renegades renegades is not a good film i didn't speak about it it's not a good film mm. yeah there's going to be some uh, interesting battles i think speaking to fee well quite... prashemic's still there and again i'll say on the record fuck you prashemic <laughs> uh, i think if prashemic's going to be there he will he will strongly argue the case of predator not being in the worst probably issue we challenge you prashemic if you're listening to this yeah this will be interesting i'm looking forward to it okay we'll uh, let you go our one listener and uh we'll get back to talking about films off air <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks very much scott for coming here and sitting about in your shorts thank you and uh take care bye bye Jesus, to jokers. <laughs> so much to do, so little time. <laughs>